seven of Tranchop. So we're super, super excited today to welcome Adelaide Morfett from Newmarket to the podcast. Hi, Adelaide. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a treat to be here with you both. Uh, well, we wish you were here with us in person, but um, audio is second best. <laughs> exactly. So Adelaide, look, I'm sure lots of our listeners know you really well, but um, just by way of instruction, could you maybe tell us a little bit more about what you do and what New Market's role in the SRT market is? Sure. So New Market is an alternative asset manager. We are focused on providing bank solutions, primarily in the form of synthetic securitization. Um, we've completed about $30 billion of credit risk transfer since 2012 largely around legacy infrastructure or project finance portfolios um, across 80 different countries. But we've been increasingly involved as well in the corporate space. Brilliant, brilliant. And I was thinking about this this morning and how personally, whenever I think about ESG and impact investing in this space, you guys are the first people that come to mind. And it's always really great to see you and Molly as well on panels at events, because I think for both of you, your passion for the area really does come through. And I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling that way. So what do you think makes New Market such an important player in this space? Well, thank you for saying that. I'm, I'm delighted to hear that's the reputation we've generated. Um, <laughs> I do think that impact has been in our DNA at New Market since day one. Our very first transaction was actually around a portfolio of all Italian renewables. And since then, we've really developed our approach and have incorporated some features in our transactions that incentivize new positive impact lending. So they go beyond just you know, what we're referencing in a portfolio and are incentivizing you know, positive impact real world results. Um, generally, we tend to think about ESG in three ways. The first way we're thinking about it is the ESG credit risk ascribed to an underlying portfolio. So, you know, is there sea level rise that some of the assets in the portfolio are going to be susceptible to? Or is there some particular concern around corporate governance? The second way we think about it is in terms of the impact of the assets in the portfolio on the climate or society. So, you know, there's a very different profile of a portfolio of affordable housing, as opposed to a portfolio of brown assets like metals and mining, oil and gas, that kind of thing. But thirdly, and, and the, uh, you know, kind of view that I think is the most interesting is the structural impact of the transaction. And what I mean by that final point is whether the transaction has any kind of impact mechanisms worked into the structure of the deal. And it may be easiest to kind of illustrate that with an example. So back in 2017, we completed a transaction with Credit Agricole that included a feature requiring the bank to redeploy all the freed up regulatory capital towards their existing green loan portfolio. And that included things like renewable energy, uh, energy efficient real estate, public mass transportation, various green asset classes that the bank was already focused on increasing their lending around. Um, and this transaction gave them, you know, kind of the firepower to do more in that arena. And since then, we've gone on to do a number of transactions that incorporate similar but slightly tweaked uh, features, which, you know, we find really exciting. 
most recently, um, or more recently, I guess, we completed a deal with Santander called Bocaron that had two different impact features. Um, one of them incentivized the bank to replenish our portfolio and the Bocaron transaction with green loans, you know, renewable energy loans. But a second piece that uh, incentivized the bank to increase their overall bank group lending towards renewables as measured in megawatts. And if they achieve those targets, then there was a coupon step down. So, you know, that's kind of an illustration of the evolution of our approach to having some kind of structural impact embedded into our deals. And I think that, you know, that opportunity in the synthetic securization space is really exciting and unique. Yeah, Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's great to hear you talk about that because 2017 is actually you know, quite young when we think about impacting investing and, and ESG in this space. So you really have been there from the beginning. And we see that all the way through to, to that latest deal with Santander, which is obviously super innovative in terms of structure. So you've really been there for the journey so far. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's really exciting to see others come to the space as well. Um, there was a recent paper that was completed on, you know, kind of advising whether we need an ESG synthetic securitization specific framework. And uh, it did a really good job of kind of cataloging the innovation around this over the last, you know, five, six years. Um, So, you know, it's not just new market. We have peers in the industry as well that are really, you know, completing exciting transactions. and, And, you know, we're looking forward to see more come to market too. That's excellent, Adelaide, and welcome again to Tronshop. Um, it, it's good to know there's so much work going around. You guys are clearly really, really busy on the ESG and impact investing front. Um, and just to pick up on the bit that you spoke about the market and other players that you've been seeing. So I suppose looking at it more holistically, how is the market faring? Now, clearly you and new market, you are doing a lot. Do you think the industry is matching the same level of activity? Um, I think it depends on which area you're looking at. I think in general, there's a lot of confusion around ESG. And a lot of that stems from the fact that there's no real consensus or gold standard on how to measure it. Um, There was a recent AMA webinar that I tuned into and they noted that there are 150 different ESG rating agencies um, that is a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah, that does <laughs> and, sound a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are a lot and they're not all, you know, reaching the same uh, agreement. You know, they're not all reaching the same conclusion. And a group that I've been following for a little while at MIT has been drilling into this issue. And they put together this really fascinating white paper called the Aggregate Confusion Project. Um, and one of its findings... It's a hysterical title, but it's very serious. You know, there's a lot of mathematics and detailed statistical analysis that gets into it. But um, one of their findings is that the correlation um, among ESG ratings produced by these different agencies is 0.6 as compared to 0.9 among traditional credit ratings. And, you know, that, that gap is kind of preposterous. There's just too much noise in the ESG space to really be able to find some kind of signal. Um, and I think one of the effects of this lack of clarity is becoming what seems to be kind of an abundance of greenwashing, not as much in our space, Leanne and Ruhi, but you know, in more of the public equities space. And I think that's you know, a really important distinction to draw is the difference between ESG and impact. 
And at Newmarket, we're really focused on delivering real world impact, delivering double bottom line results. You know, we're not sacrificing performance for um, real world impact. So I just kind of wanted to uh, discuss real quick that that distinction because you know we're less focused on the screening side and more focused on bespoke solutions that are having a catalytic effect and helping our counterparties navigate this increasing pressure and shareholder concern around sustainability. That's really interesting. And um, as you say, I think you're right. The distinction is quite important. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot to chat on that. But maybe if we go back to the paper that you mentioned, um, which is the EBA report that was published uh, in March this year. Now, um, Adelaide, I know you spoke at the SCI conference. And as Leanne said, it came across really well. It was a great panel. Um, so there was, there's been a lot of chat on the EBA report. But in your view, what what are the important factors? What do you think is going to be the impact following that paper? Yeah, I think the piece was really terrific and I was so delighted to see it finally come out. Um, yeah, at that conference, we were lucky to get to hear the author Mira speak, which was um, a real treat. But one of the key tensions that that paper teases out is use of proceeds as opposed to the degree to which an underlying portfolio is green or socially positive, whether that relates to the EU taxonomy or the SDGs or otherwise. And you know, different investors in this space take a different stance on this. And I think there are certainly benefits to each approach in a synthetic securitization, but the distinction is important and it'll be interesting to see how things develop in terms of whether there's a threshold ascribed to one or both of those components like they have in China, um, or whether there will be some kind of sustainability label uh, that you can achieve through those different, uh, different approaches. But the ultimate conclusion of the paper that I really respected was that it's a bit premature right now to develop a securitization specific framework around sustainability. And I really, I appreciate that, particularly as we're seeing some of the other regulators uh, come up with a more prescriptive proposal, such as the SEC uh, ESG disclosure proposal that came out about a month ago. Um, and, you know, I think that being a little bit more moderate in terms of whether we are, you know, actually coming up with standards and uh, thresholds that I mentioned earlier, you know, that's going to that's going to promote innovation, not having something so prescriptive. Okay, it does. It definitely sounds like a step in the right direction, but as you say, there seem to there seems to be quite a few things that need to be bottomed out. Um, but clearly, the focus is there. Uh, considering that all these reports, and as you said, uh, the report that's coming from SEC as well. Um, I suppose then thinking about this, what is the aim of all of this at the end of the day? What What is New Market trying to achieve in the ESG space? Yeah, I think as, uh, I love this question. <laughs> as, you know, we're participants in the financial services industry, and I think it's important that we're all working together to achieve net zero and the goals of the Paris Agreement. This is a almost insurmountable goal and it's going to take everyone's focus and dedication to really be able to emerge from this climate crisis. The volume of financing needed to support the transition towards a more sustainable economy, 
I think is going to require a pretty significant change in, you know, at least what the current allocation of financial flows is, you know, away from these kind of carbon intensive activities and towards more green compatible activities. And I think that, you know, CRT can play a really elegant role in helping us achieve net zero. Um, you know, if you look, for example, at, at a brown to green transaction, if you were to take a reference portfolio that's oversampled in carbon intense loans and then embed specific KPIs around redeployment and around decarbonization as they pertain to net zero and more specific GFANS commitments, that could have a really profound catalytic effect. And, you know, I feel privileged to work in this space with you guys and all of our other peers in the industry with such switched on and creative minds. And I think there's a real potential to play a role in accelerating this race to net zero through these types of deals. That's brilliant. Um, very, very interesting. And I think that gives us a lot to think about, doesn't it, Leon? Yeah, it does. I was just thinking, it's always so uplifting talking to you, Adelaide, and I think that really sums it up so nicely. Um, not only you being uplifting just in yourself, but it's a great message for, for the industry as a whole. So thank you. That's, um, that's it's very inspiring. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. You know, it's um, there's a lot that we can do. And I think that, you know, when you put great minds together, it's, you know, we've got a lot of responsibility, but there's a lot of opportunity. Yes, I completely agree. And I think some people can get overwhelmed with just how much there is to do in this space. But actually, I think about it in, in the opposite way. I think what, what a great opportunity for us all. And it's an exciting time. So, yes, very much looking forward to seeing what happens over the next couple of years in this space. So, Adelaide, as I think you know, we love to round off our podcast with a personal question. So can you tell us one fun fact that our listeners won't know about you, but you think should know about you? <laughs> sure. Um, so I love being outdoors. I spent a good amount of my childhood in Australia and we did a lot of camping there. Um, but a fun fact is that last summer I spent a week on the Appalachian Trail solo hiking, uh, which was kind of wild. I, I think I saw about like a dozen snakes over the <laughs> that week. <laughs> Um, but it didn't scare me away. I'm planning to do a similar trip next month. <laughs> <laughs> well. Fearless, Adelaide. She's, she's absolutely fearless. Oh. A bit of a different environment than, you know, conferences and the SRT space. <laughs> You're taking the e-pot quite literally, Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta walk the walk and talk the talk. <laughs> And the top tip to all of our listeners, uh, Ruhi and I know that Adelaide actually has many more fun facts than just that one. So next time you do see her at a conference, please do go and quiz her on uh, the rest of her fun facts because she has many to share. Yeah, she's the person you want to be sitting next to at the drinks. Um, so, um, yeah, on that, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much, Adelaide. Thanks so much for joining. You've been great. Thank you both so much for having me. And to all our listeners, thank you very, very much for listening in. We are going to take a short break for summer, but we'll be back after that with many, many more episodes. Until then, enjoy your summer and keep tranching.